Hi everyone, this is Nadine Abdallah and welcome to Neighborhood Shiro. Neighborhood Shiro is a brand new platform used to showcase and highlight women that are doing amazing things in their day-to-day lives. It is to empower and encourage women to have the impact that they want to have on their communities, no matter how little or how large. Hey everyone, it's Nadine. Welcome back to another episode of Neighborhood Shiro. Over the course of the last couple months, the world has really changed in response to COVID-19. So many amazing individuals are really stepping up and rising to the occasion. I've had the honor of talking to a lot of people working on the front lines, including transit employees, grocery store employees, mental health professionals, doctors, nurses, and many others. Today, I'm speaking to another neighborhood Shiro, which I'm so excited to profile, Jenna Tabatsnik, who is the director of COVID Care Collective. Jenna, thanks for being here today. Thank you, Nadine, for having me on. This is an incredible platform. I love that you are changing the definition of what a Shiro and what a hero is, and including so many special people in this platform. It's so cool, like the nurses, the the grocery shopper. That is incredible. And you're really doing so much to change our definition, which is hugely important. So thank you. Thank you, Jenna. That means the world to me. And I'm sure it means the world to all of our Shiro's, not only working on the front lines, but doing amazing causes in their lives. And you are definitely a Shiro that we're excited to profile and hear your story. So let's start with that. Let's start with who is Jenna Tabatsnik. Can you tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So I am Jenna. I'm 26 years old and I grew up in Toronto. I am probably just like everybody else. I define myself in certain roles. So I am a daughter to my two parents. I am a sister to my brother and sister. And I'm a friend and I care about people. And I think that is just the essence of who I am. That's a beautiful, beautiful description of who you are, Jenna. Let's dig into that a bit more. So you're a daughter, you're a sister, you're a friend. Can you tell us about how that's kind of informed your life and what you've done to this point? Yeah, sure. So I think let's start with the daughter, the who I am. So I was raised by two South African parents who from a really early age in apartheid South Africa, which was a system um, imposed by the government of white superiority. And the contrast is uh, non-white inferiority. And my dad was an activist um, and both my parents hated the system and didn't believe in it and never thought it was right. Um, And just raised me with that internal thing that if you don't trust a system. And if it doesn't feel right to you, it's okay to rebel and it's okay to trust yourself that something is not always right. Uh, And the government is not always right. And from a really, really early age, when I first learned about South Africa and apartheid, that's been ingrained in me. And it's just something that I can't and have never been able to let go of. And it's really brought me to where I am now, which is incredible. So amazing to see the influence that parental figures have on our lives. And it's amazing that they taught you to always question, to always stand up for what you believe. How has that informed, you know, what you studied in school, your previous jobs before getting to COVID Care Collective? Yeah, so um, it has, I think when I first went to South Africa, I was probably 11 years old. And I just saw inequality at a really monumental time in my life, at a time when you're just absorbing everything. And we went to visit the townships left over from apartheid South Africa, Mm. uh, where black were sent to. And I would go through and I would see people starving and I would see people, this inequality blatant and in your face. And I'd come back home 
to Toronto where I grew up and I'd see my life and I'd compare it and it just never felt right. I mean, this 11-year-old girl who actually would fall into these deep, deep depressions when she returned was just, it, it just, it put a fire inside of me that I had to do something and I had to devote my life to doing something to fight inequality and to help these people and to be the voice of these people that quite honestly, my friends and friends' parents had never heard of and didn't really know. And so that was really, that stayed with me for a really long time and I couldn't unsee that and I ended up working for two nonprofits after I graduated from Western. I went to the United Kingdom, which I was actually born. Uh, <laughs> I, went to, I went there uh, and I started working for a grant making foundation, which supports human rights lawyers, activists and storytellers, storytellers being uh, documentary filmmakers and journalists. And the basis of the foundation was that the three working in parallel can really affect social change. I went on to do my master's in human rights. And then graduating from my master's, I went to work at Amnesty International. So another nonprofit. And it's really just guided me to where I am. So I've, I've really just tried to be a voice for the voiceless whenever I can. Jenna, that's incredible. It's really beautiful how you've taken something justice and things that are clear issues in the world and in society to really fuel your life's work. And it really does speak a lot about you and a lot about how you got involved in COVID Care Collective. But before we go into COVID Care Collective, I'd like to kind of hear your definition of Shiroism. Have you ever felt like a Shiro before? And what does that mean to you? So thinking about my definition of a Shiro, I think about the people who are closest to me in my life. The people who've really impacted me, who are Shiro's, are my mother who has constantly given me unconditional love and support and also my mentors in life. I've been fortunate to have female bosses my entire life who have just made such an impact on me as well. I think Shiro's and female leaders really have the power to unleash collective potential of everyone that they're working with. And that's because they approach things with the fact that they know that they don't always have the answers. And I think it's a really beautiful thing that me as a recent undergrad who didn't think she had any important things to say um, was really validated and in group meetings and stuff like that to speak up and to share my experience and to share my my innate passions like everybody has an angle to give and I think Shiro's are unique in being able to unleash that which is really cool and when I think about the Shiro's in my life I think about those who are closest to me and I've had relationships with and it's because everyone who we know and everyone in the world is battling like the inevitable hardships of life and being able to still turn up and still do the things that you care about, even though you're battling those is just, it is heroic and it is so cool. So those are my heroes. That word collective really resonated with me because, you know, as I've been talking to a bunch of people, it's challenged my definition of heroism and heroism. And, you know, initially thinking about it, we always think of like the lone hero at the top all by themselves, but we don't think about like the journey or the process for that individual getting there. And oftentimes it's from unleashing the power of the collective. Exactly. So that really resonates with me. And I, I can definitely see that being a characteristic of Shiroism across everyone that I've spoken to and particularly in your life. So that's yeah. great. But Jenna, have you felt like a Shiro before? Me? No. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm just a regular girl. I think with COVID Care Collective specifically, possibly like our ability to just 
unite over the fact that we care about people. That's been heroic, but it's not just me. It's everybody involved, which is really cool. That's amazing. So let's talk about COVID Care Collective. I mean, it's such an amazing grassroots initiative that is directly helping Torontonians in the community today deal with the impact of COVID-19. Can you give us a little bit of background on what is COVID Care Collective? How did it start? And more importantly, how did you get involved? (laughs) Yeah, uh, COVID Care Collective is the initiative that we are working on right now. We are helping low to no and no income families obtain food and basic essentials that are absolutely vital to live a really well-balanced and comfortable everyday life. So far in the two months that we've been running, we've raised $35,000 and we've managed to get food and basic essentials to 2,000 people. Wow. Uh, It's been incredible. We have a network of 250 volunteers and everybody really just does their part. How did I get involved? So how I got involved, I just come back from traveling, being abroad, and I was mandated as everybody else to the 14 days of social isolation. And it was in that 14 days of just feeling completely helpless, reading the headlines of so many people who are affected by this crisis in different ways. So I think in Toronto, experiencing food insecurity for the first time in their life. And then it was the next day I saw the headline about school closures and then all the school children that rely on school meals to fulfill their their three meals a day if they get that. And there was just layoffs and layoffs every day. And I was there and I was sitting in my, my quarantine and I felt helpless. And I came across an Instagram post of people connecting people in the community. That was my opportunity to get involved. So I messaged them and the two founders who were working on the initiative who got it all set up and they had built this network of I'm a volunteer I can send food to somebody else and the recipient would get it and it would arrive at their doorstep Uh, and I offered them my support as a full-time volunteer and little did I know that they both had their own businesses which they were running and they really just didn't have the capacity to continue the initiative as they wished they could. And I think that was just because the need in our community was crazy. Mm. Um, and it was way more than they thought that they were going to take on. But eventually they just, I mean, a couple days later, after my first reach out to them, they had put me in charge to manage the initiatives rapidly evolving development, which was cool. And that's where we are. Wow. So you went from traveling, being at home in quarantine, being a little bit overwhelmed, I would say, by all of the tragedy that was existing, not only in the world, but here in Toronto, in your home. And you responded to an Instagram post, and now you're leading this amazing initiative. That's, That's incredible. I mean, knowing a little about you now that you've introduced yourself, what do you think was like the, the impetus or characteristics that got you to actually want to do this and lead it? Yeah, I think it was possibly leaving Toronto, the place I grew up, right after school, I never really connected with the need in my own community. I went to the United Kingdom, which of course is a home away from home. I have family there and I was born there, although I was raised in Toronto. Mm. But it was really just coming back to my roots, coming back to Canada and realizing that charity starts at home. And it's so important to be connected and trying to help people in your own community and people who you can relate to and things like that. And that was just, that was really the drive to get involved in some sort of initiative or 
charitable thing and helping people in my own community. Yeah, absolutely. And that is like the pure definition of a neighborhood Shiro. I think we often, we forget about all of the hardships that our communities face because there's so much tragedy and hardships that are existing everywhere and all causes are so valiant, but to be able to fight for what's going on at home is something that really resonates with me and I'm sure resonates with you, which is why you're involved in COVID Care Collective. Yeah. So COVID Care Collective, let me play back what I heard about what it is. So you guys are an organization that kind of helps individuals that can't get access to food by partnering them up with volunteers who are able to get groceries and deliver it to their homes. Is that the basic premise of it? That is exactly what we do. And I mean, I'm going to use your term that you've coined neighborhood Shiro and Hero to just expand on the, in essence what we do. So a volunteer can use this platform that we've built. It's an integrated system where we have an organizational profile where our network of recipients and volunteers communicate. And the volunteer can see who needs help in their own neighborhood. So all the recipients are ranked in their neighborhood, who needs help. And I mean, how cool is that? We're creating these neighborhood heroes and sheroes who can just lend a hand to somebody in their own community who might be living next door for all they know. This is community at its best. That is incredible. Just like fostering the power of neighborhood and neighborhood sheroes to help people in need. Yeah. Tell me about the people that are in need. You mentioned that most of them are low income to no income families. Who are kind of the recipients that qualify for your services? Specifically, who we help um, are those ineligible to apply for the Canadian Emergency Response Benefit. And the Canadian Emergency Response Benefit has been really, really key in providing relief to so many families, but there are still individuals and families who are falling through these cracks. Um, And those are people like refugee claimants. They're people like those who are um, unemployed before the start of the outbreak and those who didn't meet the income requirements in the last 12 years. And all these people still need help. It's not like they've disappeared. It's not like they found help elsewhere. And that's where we've come in. So we've come in to provide support, whether that be through a small grant, and we've really just helped them get the items that they need to survive. I think this crisis has really showed us a lot about our ability to respond to changing times and put programs in place that are helping individuals. But in the same respect, a lot of individuals aren't being helped by some of those same systems. So it's amazing that, you know, yourself and the team have found this gap to still provide support and kind of bolster and amplify all the programs that currently exist. Yeah, I think like these people, they if they're not recognized by the government as requiring aid, it's so important for the community to rally and get and just really show them that we're here and that we care about them and that they still exist. And it's not like they're going away and their needs don't matter. So this collective that we've created has united around the fact that we care. And what's united us is COVID. Uh, And the name reflects that. So it's COVID Care Collective. And we're bringing strangers together to help strangers and to foster a sense of community. Absolutely. So tell me about that name a bit more. I know you started off as COVID Food Drive, which 
didn't encompass everything that you're doing to help the community. How did it transform into COVID Care Collective? That was through various conversations that we were having across different initiatives that were doing their part in this crisis. And a lot of the food banks and the conversations that we were having, these food banks obviously have been around for years and people rely on them and they've been able to provide people full circle support. So connecting them with affordable housing and connecting them with social services and people who really can help them get out of that situation and transform their lives in a really clear manner. And so we really wanted to be able to work with food banks uh, and see where where our space was. We were navigating the space. Nobody's ever experienced anything like this. And although I have experience in nonprofits, this was brand new. So it was really just having conversations with all these initiatives doing things and realizing where we were best placed to come in. And after having these conversations with food banks, we realized that they they do provide food to people and grocery hampers for people. But there are all these other things. Somebody needs baby formula and diapers. Most food banks are can only give out what they get in. And it's rare that they get those donations. So we've filled in this gap to really provide the essentials, all that extra stuff that people won't typically get at a food bank um, and to help them live a more comfortable life. So really helping the current institutions that exist exactly. fill other gaps, not replace them because their services help so many individuals, but instead to bolster what they can't do. Exactly. Yeah, that's what we do. That totally resonates with the name COVID. <laughs> Definitely. I can see it being way more encompassing of all of the stuff that you do. Jenna, can you tell me a story of, you know, one of the recipients that you've helped You know, how have you actually seen the impact and the fruits of your labor? So we had this woman, she had come from uh, West Africa, and she was a refugee who arrived in Toronto. She was living in a refugee shelter. Oh, this is actually really beautiful. So she messaged me saying that she wanted to help out and be a volunteer in our community. And a couple weeks later, we were onboarding her. And she sent me a message saying, actually, I've been diagnosed with COVID-19. I can no longer be a volunteer. So I'll, I'll get back to you in two weeks time. And anyways, she moved into a refugee shelter, but she was needing our support too. But it was so beautiful that she wanted to help out and get helped. And that was incredible. It's so nice that, that we're giving people opportunities to help others. And really, as I said, creating neighborhood heroes, and she was one of them. That story is so profound to need help, but still want to help. And that is honestly the power of community. And it's nice to see that, you know, in all of this crisis, that programs like COVID Care Collective and just the collective support of the community has really helped individuals in this time of crisis where no one knows what's going on. No one knows how to navigate these programs. No one knows how to navigate like medical system. And being able to do that as a community and figure it out as a community is really beautiful. Which kind of brings me to my next question. You're leading this effort and you have 200 volunteers, which is insanely amazing. But you also have a team that has rallied behind you and is on board. So can you tell me about how that came to be? How did it go from Jenna messaging the two founders to now this large team of people that are supporting this? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, kudos to them because we would know we would be we nowhere near where we are right now if it weren't for these people reaching out to get involved. So it started off when I had messaged the two founders and they'd kind of put me in charge of this thing, which I 
quite honestly knew nothing about. <laughs> uh, and I was posting on Facebook, trying to get donations because that was the big thing and really just trying to navigate the space on my own. But so quickly, all these people reached out to me and said, whoa, like, I love what you're doing. How can I get involved? And it was there, like, I think two weeks after I'd taken over the initiative, a friend of mine reached out and said, let me help you. Let me, let me do whatever I can to help. And just as the weeks progressed, we got more and more people who had never worked together before and were coming in, some of whom had been laid off because of COVID-19 and some of whom actually have full-time jobs and really just wanted to help out in their spare time. And so now we've got seven back-end volunteers who have been helping us out all with different slews of experience, all with different coming from all walks of life. Uh, and they were just people who saw us on Facebook and reached out to get involved. And really, every single person adds an incredible amount of value and really has brought us to where we are today. Really honing true to COVID Care Collective. It is the power of this, these collective volunteers yeah. who are now part of your core team that are just amplifying the power of the collective. That's amazing. So how's it been for you going from, you just picked up this initiative to leading a team and, you know, having such profound impact in the community. How has this helped you develop as a leader and come into your own? It's made me realize how important it is to be working together with other people and how you can really, really like the success of an initiative is really the success of everyone who is involved. And that is beautiful. Like I'm, I couldn't have got here where I am without these people. And I think that's very clear. And being this, uh, I guess, the head of the initiative, it doesn't mean you're the head of the initiative. It is, it's just, you're the person that brings everyone together. And you're the person that kind of draws out everyone's skills. And it's things like that. So I mean, our team is incredible and I'm so lucky to have every single one um, on the team. And it's just been, it's been really cool. It's been great to see that everybody can bring their own experience and their own value to make it what it is. Yeah, that's really amazing. And I know your team has been working really hard and you just had an event on Mother's Day, so not too long ago. Can you tell us about the success of this event and what happened? I would love to. So on Mother's Day, we teamed up with another initiative. We've been talking to loads of initiatives, the COVID relief initiatives. And we sponsored an event that we were preparing 150 grocery hampers to individuals and families across the greater Toronto area. And each grocery hamper was paired with a donated potted flower to show mothers across Toronto and families uh, just how much we care. I mean, it's such a crazy, difficult time for so many people that to be able to just add that extra lovely thing, which was donated, um, was just beautiful. And it adds love and care to all these homes and brings a little sense of life back uh, into it. So it was great. And the 150 boxes, which we prepared and delivered, ended up feeding 500 people, which was incredible. And that all happened in one day. And then people were fed for Mother's Day, which was special. Wow, that is really special. One, to bring like light and happiness in this time of crisis on a time that is supposed to be for celebrating is just exactly. so beautiful. And then to be able to feed so many people during this time is just so profound, so mm -hmm. profound. Yeah, so and I think so. what the beautiful thing about it was 
these two initiatives working together, like beyond COVID Care Collective and beyond Toronto Cares, which was the another initiative. It's like we're communicating, we're talking, and we're going to add value where we see it's needed. Um, so that was that was so cool as well. Just nonprofits coming together to do good. Absolutely. So how has this changed your definition of heroism? Going through COVID-19, developing this initiative, you know, working with individuals that are really in need of your services. How has it changed or bolstered your definition from the beginning that we talked about? Yeah, the original hero who I might have imagined six months ago was the one in a billion. It was the leader, like people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who is just so incredible and had managed to manage she was working she was latino and she was working as a waitress and then she became a politician and it was that person who i know like i couldn't even dream of getting there and (laughs) listening to your podcast and really like paying attention to all these people who want to do good in our community who are just realizing that this is their opportunity to volunteer and it's only going to take an hour of their day it really doesn't take long to volunteer like that is, that's the neighborhood Shiro now. My definition has changed and it's so amazing that you've been able to work through this definition with me uh, because I think when you give somebody the name Hero or Shiro, you start to other them and you start to feel different to them and you put them on a pedestal and they feel really far removed from you. And I think what we need to realize is that the world would be a much better place if everyone can be that Hero and Shiro and everybody can do their part to have one small act on the world because collectively that's how you change things. I mean, I think in the climate crisis especially, everyone thinks that somebody else is going to take care of it uh, and somebody else is going to do it and you can just sit back because the prof- let the professionals do what the professionals do. And I think what this has shown me is that everyone really needs to take matters into their own hands Um, And even though things are hard right now, if you can do that one small thing to change somebody's life, definitely like take advantage of it because this is your moment to be your neighborhood Shira. Jenna, I heard so much there. I think that the biggest thing that I heard was that being a Shiro or being a hero isn't something that's like bestowed upon you. It's deliberate action that you take in response to inaction. And I think that's really beautiful when we start to think about that all of us can just start acting so easily in our communities, which takes away like this unattainable definition to Shiroism, which you started with. And I think that's really beautiful. And I think that's something that everyone could relate to in all of their communities. How do we help? How do we become neighborhood Shiros and heroes, particularly when it comes to COVID Care Collective? Could we get involved? Absolutely. I would love if people got involved. I mean, growing the team would be so helpful just to show that we've got these neighborhood heroes all over the place. So even though right now we have 250 volunteers, we are always looking for more volunteers. And these volunteers can help out just one time. They don't need to be ongoing volunteers. They don't need to be helping 24 hours a day. It's really what we do is we allow people to do it in their own time. So any volunteers that want to get involved, that like what we're doing, um, can sign up to uh, volunteer with COVID Care Collective on our website. 
which is covidcarecollective.com. And I think you'll link to it, which is great. Uh, And then they can match and have that one-to-one communication with the recipient in their neighborhood. And they can connect and find out anything about their story that the recipient is willing to tell. Uh, And then they'll work together to put together a shopping list that the volunteer will then go to the grocery store and deliver to the recipient. And it would be really great to have more volunteers on our platform, which is, which is great. And the great thing about our initiative is that we are entirely dependent on donations from the public. And it's really you and everybody else in our community who's heard our story, who likes what we're doing, who has enabled us to be able to provide and do what we've been doing. So if anybody wants to donate, And anything anybody can spare is going to be hugely appreciated. Thank you, Jenna. Anyone could be a neighborhood hero and your ability to support any initiatives, including COVID care collectives, could really help people living in Toronto and in Canada today. So Jenna, with that, I just want to thank you for sharing your perspective on heroism, for sharing your story so candidly, and for speaking about this amazing initiative that I think is really impacting the lives of individuals. Thank you so much, Nadine. Thank you for spotlighting COVID Care Collective. We really are just a collective of people trying to do their part in our community. And thank you for sharing the stories of so many people who are in our community just trying to do good because this working day is really important and it shows that everybody can be a hero. This is great. Thanks, Jenna. I know that this is still very grassroots and we're still finding our voice and would really value feedback that you have. If you have ideas for episodes or guests, please feel free to reach out. We always want to hear about amazing Shiro's doing things in their community. Always feel free to check out our website and our social media channels at neighborhoodshiro.com. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time on Neighborhood Shiro.